0: John can get you a copy of that. And uh, anyone need a copy? Everyone good? All right. I think we're good. Mark chapter number two. Mark chapter number two. Mark chapter number two. And on Sunday nights, we've been taking different authors of hymns, and we've been singing some of their songs. And last week, we sang the songs of Isaac Watts. And I decided this morning, we're going to sing those ones again, because some of you don't know those ones very well, and they are, they're good. And last Sunday night, I was um, encouraged, and they were great. And so we're going to do those ones again tonight. We looked this morning at Mark chapter number 2. I remember being probably around 10 years old, 9 or 10 years old, maybe even 8 and my older brother got me liking sports at a young age. My parents, they could care less about sports. They did, you know. And it's funny though, once I became interested in sports, my parents got interested in it too. I thought that was kind of funny. And so they would watch games with me and I don't think they had any, in, thinking back on it, I don't think they had any interest at all. I think they did it just to do something with me. I think that's pretty neat when I think back on it. But my grandpa was a huge USC fan because my great-grandpa taught at USC. So, supposedly, my mom's family, you have to be USC fans. That's the way it goes. I didn't know that. And so, at a younger age, you know, you would see UCLA or USC. I really liked UCLA's colors better. I liked the light blue and that color. Today, I can't stand it, but back then, I really enjoyed it. And so, we were visiting my grandpa, and my parents had me when... um, they were in their, right around their 40s, so the only grandparent I had left was my mom's dad. That's the only grandparent I got to know, and uh, he passed away when I was 12. I was probably about eight years old, and we're visiting him, and the game was on between USC and UCLA. And he was very into it, but I didn't realize UCLA scores a touchdown. Light. And the room got very quiet. And I could just feel a look of disgust in the room. And I turned to my grandpa. My grandpa's like, we don't cheer for UCLA in this house. We're USC fans. And he took about 10 minutes to teach me why we were USC fans. Now, back in this time, technically, overall, USC has a much better football program than UCLA. But during that time, UCLA was a better team than USC. But because of my grandpa that day, I became a USC fan. And I am to this day, and I always will be. But you couldn't mix in my grandpa's house USC fans and UCLA fans. It just didn't work out very well. I'm also a Laker fan. There's one color I just don't like. It's green. I don't like green at all. I think of the Celtics when I think of green. I've got a nephew that's, uh, he's 16 now. I asked him last year for Christmas what he wanted. He's grown up in, he's grown up out here in California. And for Christmas, he said, I would like something that says Celtics on it. <laughs> I'm like, I can't believe that. I humbled myself and I got him a Celtic sweatshirt. It should have been for free because, oh, th- that awful green. But, anyways. Sometimes in life, you just look at certain things, and like my grandpa, you couldn't mix USC fans and UCLA, they they couldn't be together in the same house. Well, we look at this passage of Scripture this morning, and this goes a little deeper. Some religious people just couldn't stand the fact that Jesus would eat lunch with sinners. We look at Mark chapter number 2, we look at verse number 13, it says, and he went forth again by the seaside. And all the multitude resorted unto him, and he taught them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the receipt of customs, and said unto him, follow me. And he arose and followed him. It came to pass that as Jesus said, meet in his house, whose house? Matthew's house, that's what it's talking about right here. Many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many, and they followed him. And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eat with publicans and sinners, they said unto his disciples, How is it? Isn't it interesting? Remember last week how the man gets healed? They drop him down into Peter's house, or whatever that house was, and he's healed. And then the scribes in their hearts are saying, this guys he's forgiving sin. They didn't say anything to Jesus. Now, in this passage, they talk to the disciples. They're still not saying anything to Jesus. So it says, and when the scribes and the Pharisees saw him eat with publicans and sinners, they said unto the disciples, how is it that he eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners? Your phone's doing it again, huh? So you just, it's child." Did you, get, did you get it? Is it off? There you go. So you must have, at least it was, at least the one good thing about that art is I know you're in the Bible app because it's reading the Bible to me. If it started giving me, and the team scored, then I know you're not listening to the right thing. Yesterday, your phone called me, what, Sitting here it did? That reminds me, I got my dad a smartphone a couple years ago. He kept it for three weeks, and then we went back to a flip phone. When he's calling me on accident at 2.30 in the morning trying to figure out how to use a smartphone, I'm like, no, Dad, no, nope. no, nope. you're just going to keep the flip phone. Just use it. You know, you don't need this fancy stuff. Just use the flip phone. And he loves his flip phone, so that works out great for him. And so we see verse 17, when Jesus heard it, he said unto them, they that are whole have no need of a physician. But they that are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Father, I pray that you bless the next few minutes that we have this morning. I pray you'd help us get from this passage what you'd have for us. Help us apply it to our lives and use it this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You look back at verse number 13, it begins with, And he went forth again by the seaside. And and it says, And a multitude resorted unto him. Everywhere that Jesus went during this time, he was gathering crowds of people. And once again, we see, and later on we'll see the fact they were not there because of his doctrine. They were there because of what he was doing. He was the big show in town that they wanted to see or what they could get out of him. And so the Bible tells us here, what did Jesus do in verse 13 there? and he went forth again by the seaside, and all the multitude resorted unto him. And what did he do? And he taught them. The phrase there has the idea of he just kept teaching. What was it that Jesus was teaching? Chapter 1 and verse 15, where the Bible tells us that the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. That's what Jesus was preaching. And so in the midst of all these people, what does Jesus do? he notices a person. My outline is very simple this morning number 1 we see the importance of following the savior. Following the savior. Follow the savior. What are the things that we can get out of this passage this morning? We're doing follow the savior. In the midst of all those people the Bible tells us in verse number 14 and as he passed by he saw Levi. Which leads us to letter A. He saw Levi. Jesus is on a mission wherever he goes. Just like we're to be. Crowds of people are everywhere, but he locks his eyes and he focuses on an individual. Aren't you glad that Jesus focuses on us as individuals? It's not about the big crowds. He's in the, he cares about us individually. You matter to God. Isn't that a wonderful thing this morning, a wonderful truth, that you matter? The king of the universe, the king of kings, that you matter to him. Levi mattered to him. And as we look at this passage and as we go through here, the Bible tells us it says, Levi the son of Alphaeus. And you think about this, I'm sure that Levi's parents had big plans and big dreams for him. He was from the tribe of Levi. The priestlyhood descent, he had have been raised probably to fulfill some sort of religious duty with his life. And you know, a lot of times in life, what we do with people is we see them, and we'll get to a minute about the fact of him being a tax collector and what that meant in that day. We don't like tax collectors today, but it was much worse in those days to be a tax collector, and I'll explain to you in a minute why. But do you see, we make judgments based upon personal appearances or how that person might look but aren't you glad that jesus sees something more than that the bible tells us in matthew 9 verse number 9 that he saw a man he saw levi himself he was looking at him jesus saw past the sin and what was going on in his life and he tell he could tell that levi wasn't satisfied and searching for something. And when Jesus looks at people, he does not see them where they're at. He sees them for the potential they have. What work he can do inside of you. Sometimes we look in the mirror and we see what we are and we know that we're a mess. But when God looks, he sees what he can do in us. You know, someone might have seen this tax collector and been like, this is just a filthy scoundrel. Why would you want this man? Jesus is like, no, this is a special guy right here. He could do special things. He's going to write a book of the Gospels. He's going to do great things in my name. But looking at him, no one would have said that. Hey, when people saw Saul and him persecuting Christians, no one would have thought he would have been someone Jesus would have wanted to use. But Jesus is like, no, this is a guy that we'll use to reach a lot of people. Aren't you glad that God doesn't judge on the appearances, but what he sees? That's so powerful and so important. You know, he sees your guilt and your shame, but he has plans and purposes for us. The Bible tells us here in this verse, it says, And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting seat of customs. Now when we see that there, we see the receipt of customs, It meant that Levi was a tax collector, which is another way, a nice way of saying he was the scum of the earth during this time. He had purchased a tax franchise and was allowed to charge taxes on anyone walking by his tax booth. He was required to send a certain amount of money to Rome, but anything he charged above what he had to send to Rome, he got to keep for himself. So that's where you think about Zacchaeus, and, we've, and, we'll maybe, and we'll talk about him maybe some other Sunday, but you think about this, tax collectors became very wealthy because they would rob people of so much money so that they could become wealthy. And when people looked at them, the Jews looked at them, you're a traitor. And we'll talk more about that here in just a second. But, and you think about this, Capernaum was a city that was a major... Trade route went through there, caravan route and things. And so there were, he, would make, he made good money on the things that he did. And when we look at this, he would have collected taxes on just about anything. He would have been probably worse than the state of California. I got my, um, my, ta- my tags to renew for my truck. 457 $457. And do you know, $210 of that is because I can tow something with my truck. I've never towed a thing with my truck, nor do I ever plan to at this moment. Half of it, they'll tax you. They're going to start taxing you for breathing air before too long. You wait and see. But still, I would say that Matthew was probably, uh, Levi was worse. He charged a number of things. Now, when you think about tax collectors in this day, they were dishonest. They were known to overcharge people. And when someone couldn't pay, what would they do? They would charge high interest loans. They took bribes from the rich, and then they were the poor. They were disqualified people. Do you know tax collectors in that day were not allowed to give testimony as a witness? Because no one trusted them. In fact, the tax collectors, their tithes weren't even accepted in the temple. Hey, don't worry. All tithes are accepted here. They were also disloyal. Though he was Jewish, he was considered to be a traitor because he worked for the hated Romans, and he turned his back on his nation, on his God, and they wanted nothing to do with him. He was detested. Tax collectors were classified with murderers and robbers. They were only, and you think about this, and a lot of times they were considered worse than both of those. Jewish people despised them more than the Roman officials and soldiers, and sometimes children would even spit on the tax collectors because their parents told them to. That's how despised they were. They were disgraced. By extension, Levi's family would have been ostracized by the community because he let his family down, and he was a source of shame to his own family. He was defiled. He was considered an outcast. He was excommunicated from the synagogue. According to the rabbis, there was no hope for a loser like Levi. This is the guy that Jesus saw. And what we see is not only did he see Levi, but he summoned Levi. After looking at Levi, Je- Jesus issued this short command. Look at what it says there. Follow me. Wow. Wow. Some thoughts just on that right there. Aren't you glad that no one is beyond hope? Hey, if someone looked like they would be beyond hope, Levi would have been the guy. Society labeled him an outcast. They wanted nothing to do with him, but Jesus saw him. Aren't you glad that no one is beyond hope today? Hey, when you go down the street and you see that person sitting there, and you're like, there's just no hope. You don't say that. With Jesus, there's always hope. The only one who can change a heart, Jesus, no one's beyond hope. Think about this. Jesus knows how to reach your wayward loved ones. He does. Maybe some of the names that are listed up here that you gave, you're like, I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know how God's going to do this. But you've got to understand something. Jesus knows how to do it. You can trust him this morning. He knows how to. Hey, If he could reach this tax collector, he can reach anybody. Think about this. Jesus sees the hidden potential in the lives of the lost. Man, if we lived in that day and we saw Levi, we would have wanted nothing to do with the guy. This loser. You know something that's interesting. This is Capernaum. Peter had his fishing business in Capernaum. I bet you, not that I bet, but I would highly consider that Matthew or Levi had taxed Peter and James and John I'm sure they. Could, who knows what they were thinking Lord not this guy he cheated me out of this he did this and that just think about that for a minute number four it's impossible to know what's happening in a person's heart that's why don't ever, don't ever give up on people but look at their, I just don't see it. But God sees. You know, God saw this good-for-nothing tax collector. He's like, there's this guy. I want him to follow me. And something had to be brewing in his heart. Maybe the fact, and this could be the thing, could he have been seeing, we see how Jesus was noised abroad everywhere here? He probably was seeing all the things taking place. He heard of Jesus. Because this command's pretty interesting. He just says, follow me. And when Levi, what he does is startling. He doesn't pick up his money and gather it and take it home to his family. What does the Bible say he did? And he arose and followed him. Literally, he just gets up and goes. Luke 5, 8 tells us, it gives us some insight there, and it says, and after, and he left all, rose up, and followed him. Levi left everything behind before he even got up and followed the Lord. Wow. Think about that. What that tells me is God was already working on his heart. The people might not have seen it, but the Lord knew. Hey, we look at the same thing with Saul. The Bible gives us insight, so we know that the Bible says it's hard for you to kick against the pricks, isn't it? Hey, that conviction there, he was convicted by Stephen. The people didn't know that. The Lord does. So just because you don't see it or you don't understand someone or where they're at, you don't know if God's working in them or not. You just keep praying for them and you keep encouraging them in the Lord and you just keep moving forward. But as we see this, Levi left everything before he got up and went with Jesus. Jesus. Do you realize, we could look at other passages of Scripture, but I don't have a ton of time this morning. When Peter and Andrew followed the Lord, what they do? They got up and left their fishing nets behind. Blind Barmatis, Barmatis, he threw off his cloak. He rose up and followed Jesus. Hey, um, what are you holding on to in your life that you need to let go of and give over to Jesus? What's hindering you? from letting the Lord work in your life. Someone said, one pastor said like this, the freest people are those who've learned to leave things behind. Jim Elliot is famous for saying this, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. And Jesus himself said in Luke 9, 62, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. You see, Matthew's response was wholehearted. He made a total break with his tax business. He didn't grab anything, he left it all. Do you realize those fishermen could go back to what they did? And in fact, Peter did, right? Matthew could not go back. He was done. There's no more making this money, no more doing these things. He literally got up and left all. One day there was a chicken and a pig and they were walking down the road together. They passed a sign for a local diner that advertised its breakfast special, hams and eggs, two ninety-five. dollars The chicken said, that's our whole contribution to society, breakfast food. The pig replied, for you it may be a contribution, but for me it's total commitment. Jesus really picked quite a crew of people, didn't he? Would you pick the people that Jesus picked? The fishermen that he picked? Would you pick this tax collector? Man, what a crew that Jesus puts together. And these are the guys that turn the world upside down. Aren't you glad this morning that when you look at it and you say, I I wouldn't have considered Levi, neither would I. But I would never have considered myself to do what God allows me to do today. And you probably would never consider yourself to do what God allows you to do. Thank God that he uses the motley crew. And we're part of that. Praise God for what he does. I think Levi was kind of surprised. Lord, you're calling me? Who, me? Don't you see what I do? Hey, follow me. There's nothing better in life I could do. He gets up, and he follows the Lord. So the first thing we must do is follow the Savior. The second thing we must do is focus on sinners. Focus on sinners. If you would have asked Matthew up to this point in this passage of Scripture, if God could use him as an evangelist or to reach people, he probably would have said, that's a good one, no one likes me. Because the average citizen of Capernaum did not like him. How many of you like the IRS? Could you raise your hand if you like the IRS? No one, the average citizen, did not like Matthew. So, who, who were his crew? The other tax collectors. And the sinners of the city, the other outcasts, that was his crew. So what happens? Matthew takes Jesus to his house. Isn't that interesting? Peter takes Jesus to his house. Matthew takes Jesus to his house. It all begins, once you're saved, once you get to know the Lord, you need to take Jesus home with you. That's where faith begins, at home. Takes him home, here in this passage, and basically you could say, Matthew's throwing a little get-together, a little party at his house, and all the wicked people are at this party. Now, you look at this, and uh, when you think about this, there's some things that I want you to see. I see three things about focusing on sinners that we can get out of this passage. Number one is this, or letter A. Jesus expressed acceptance. Say, what do you mean? Verse 15 tells us, and it came to pass that as Jesus sat at meat in his house, many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many, and they followed him. The word sat is used twice in verse number 15 right here. And it refers to the practice of basically lying on your side with your arm up like this. You're going to be there a while. He was in the midst of all these wicked people. Think about that. And his posture, you think about it, the people took. He was going to be there for a while. The Bible says here the phrase, at meets, it's a term of identification and friendship. In that culture, if you had a meal with someone, you're basically saying, I'll identify with you. No one else in that city wanted to identify with these people. These are the outcasts. These are the big sinners. These are the ones we want to stay away from. But for Matthew, this is all he had because no one liked him anyways. And as we look at this passage and when we really break it down, you see, you think about his network of friends and acquaintances. I'm sure that Peter, James, John probably didn't like all these people that they were sitting around. think about it it's an amazing thing to think about that some of the best evangelists in the world we're all supposed to be evangelists so you know are new christians because when you think about it, they still have a lot of sinners in their life and they can't stop talking about what jesus has done for them and over time, zeal can evaporate. Or the connections with non-Christians are replaced with new friendships with Christians. And that happens. And you should be very careful who you spend a lot of time with. Let me make sure you understand something here. You, you got to understand, this is Jesus. Jesus is not us. And yes, we need to reach out to sinners. But I'm not telling you, oh, I've got this friend I've been trying to get saved for 100 years. And uh, he goes to the bar every night. I'm going to go sit in the bar and take a drink with him. Jesus reached out. He sat with them. He taught them. He was there with them. The religious people that day wouldn't even do that. People will influence you. Influences are important. And sometimes you get this idea well, I can change this person. You can't change anybody. The Lord does, He's the one who changes people. But when we look at this here, and you've got to understand something. You can't get so far to the other side of things where all you do is isolate yourself with Christians and you forget about this lost world. Or those friends of yours that don't know Christ. Because if you don't reach out to them, who's going to? Who's going to help get them to the Lord? But what Jesus does here is he goes with Matthew and he could have said, you know, Matthew, These people are not very good. Let's not go. We've got to understand something. There's no difference between the publicans and sinners that are mentioned here and the scribes and Pharisees. Because they're all sinners. They're all sinners. We're all sinners. You know, there's no difference today between the big difference between us and the unsaved is just that we know Christ and the grace that he's put on our life. But we're sinners just like They are. I love the fact all of you that wrote names down last week and put them up on the piano over here. Because you've got to understand something. What is a church? And we'll talk more about this here in a second. A church is a place for the hurting. It's a hospital for the hurting. It's a place to bring those who don't know Christ. You know, if you... I just don't know if I like the way that, per- that person is new today. I don't know if I like the way they dress coming into church. Give me a break. Like you dress right all the time. Or you, dre- or you, when you first got saved, give people a break. If you don't have people not dressing right coming to church, it means you don't have any new Christians for the most part. Now, if, you're, if you've been saved a long time and you don't dress right, shame on you. But that's what it's about. It's about getting people that don't that's what church is about reaching the lost jesus he expressed he, he has expressed acceptance and when that happens when you reach out to the lost this is what's going to happen letter b you're going to find opposition if you mix it up with the marginalized it's highly likely you're going to be criticized and oftentimes the criticism comes from the most religious people Verse 16 tells us, when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eat with publicans and sinners, they said unto his disciples, How is it that he eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners? This is the first time in the book of Mark that the word Pharisee or the Pharisees are mentioned here. They were known as the separatists of the day or literally the detached ones. And you know what they tried to do? They tried to keep the law. Is that a terrible thing to try and keep the law? No, I don't think it is. But then they added other things to the law, and then, in all honesty, they could never keep the law to begin with. One of the things you got to realize, and one thing you got to understand, especially as we're doing our Bible, reading, those who are doing it with me, and we're going through the Bible, we're in, Deut- in Deuteronomy right now. You'll never keep all the law. You will not. You can try, and you can try, and you should try. You mu- I, there's some of those people out there that say, "Well, since I can't keep the law, just why even try?" Try to do what's right, but you're not going to keep all the law. You never will. That's why we needed Jesus. But you see that these guys rise up, and we, see, and we see mentioned here, it says the grouping publicans and sinners is used three times right here to emphasize that the religious establishment frowned on sinners while Jesus focused on them. Hey, don't ever get so religious and so high and holy where you can't reach out to people that are not just like you. That's what, think about this, if Jesus didn't reach out to anybody that was just like him, his ministry would have been sitting alone. Aren't you glad he reached out? Aren't you glad he reached out to Matthew? Aren't you glad he reached out to Peter and to James? Aren't you glad he reached out to you? Praise God for that. You See, there will be opposition when you do these things. And you notice the Pharisees corner the disciples to express their disdain, and they, they use the phrase, he's eating with. That could be translated as he's always with these types of people. Why is Jesus hanging out with these types of people? That's what they're saying right here. And their criticism is really a compliment when you look at it. Because they didn't have the courage to confront Christ. They go to the disciples here, and as we look at these things, you've got to understand something. They didn't like the fact that Jesus spent time with sinners. And Jesus even gets them real riled up in Matthew chapter 21, verse 31. Verily, verily, I say unto you that the publican and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. They didn't like that. Did you notice that Jesus was the hardest to the religious crowd? It wasn't the sinner that he was the hardest with. It was always those Pharisees, those scribes. It's just something to keep in your mind. Express acceptance to sinners when you do expect opposition, which leads to the third truth. We need to emulate Jesus. I love how Jesus makes things, clears things up, helps our understanding. What does Jesus do? He takes this opportunity to clarify his mission. His entire purpose of spending times with sinners in order to bring salvation to them is seen in verse 17. When Jesus heard it, he said unto them, They that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. I'm not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Think about that. Hospitals aren't for healthy people, are they? Do you go to the doctor and say, hey, doc, I'm healthy? No. You call the doctor because something's wrong. You go to the emergency room, you go to the hospital. Why? Because there's something wrong. Something's not right with your health. Can you imagine a hospital that would have a mission statement? We're here for the healthy. If you're sick, if you're sick, stay away and don't come in. But isn't that how churches are? Hey, if you're a sinner, don't come in these doors. That's not how Christ wants it to be. Church is a place for sinners to come, to find healing in Jesus Christ. We exist to help the hurting, to minister to the messed up, to serve the sin sick, and to love the unlovely so that they can have their sins forgiven by God and get to the great physician. Sometimes I'll hear people say, I don't want to go to church because it's filled with hypocrites. And then my response is, why don't you come so we can have one more? C.T. Studd is famous for saying this. He said, some wish to live within the sound of church or chapel bells. I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. It's a good truth if you listen to that. And then Jesus moves from an analogy to appeal to his authority. What does he say? I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus came to bear our burdens, to become the sacrifice for our sins. But these Pharisees forgot what it was all about. They didn't know what it was all about. Jesus lets them have it in Matthew 23, verse number 4. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne. And lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. They don't help anyone. They lay all these burdens on these people and they do nothing. What was Jesus' whole purpose in coming? To save sinners. I think Paul captures it completely in 1 Timothy 1 verse number 15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. That's why he came. Why have an outreach around Resurrection Sunday? Because Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Sinners. Why get the gospel to the lost? Because Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That's why he came. Aren't you grateful that someone told you one day? So when's the last time you took the mission that God's given to us and you told someone about Jesus Christ? That's why he came. That's our purpose today is to tell people about Jesus Christ. You have no idea who the next great evangelist could be that's just waiting for someone to tell them about Christ. You have no idea all of these things. Maybe the next Charles Spurgeon right now is running an abortion clinic waiting for someone to tell them about Christ. You could look at a lot of different things. We need to get the gospel out. The Pharisees thought of themselves as righteous, so they looked down at those who sinned differently than they did. To them it was repulsive that Jesus would spend time with sinners. How can we apply this message to our heart? And We've got to finish up, so I'm going to give these to you quickly. Number one, we need to wholeheartedly follow the Savior. Hey, church, is there anything this morning that you're holding back? What is it? Let it go. Just let it go. Elsa said that one. That's a good one right there for you. If you don't know what that is, don't worry about it. But if I quoted her, i got to use her little thing right there. Let it go. That's just what you need to do. If you're holding on to something, let it go, let it go. No, I won't sing it for you. They say, how do you know that song? I have a little girl, okay? Uh, That's how I know this song. Just let it go. Get up, follow the Lord. Do you realize that Levi's name was changed to Matthew? Do you know what the name Matthew means? Gift of God. Pretty special right there. You know, he's called you to do the same as he did Matthew. Hey, follow me. It's a call to conversion and commitment, a call to salvation and surrender. Too many think today that Christianity is just for good people. But I think the Lord made that clear in this passage. It's the good people who don't think they need him. Hey, follow the Lord wholeheartedly. And then number two, intentionally focus on sinners. Slow down enough in life so that you can see the Levi's around you. A lot of us in the room, there are friends that we've had for years and things, and, you know, we've been saved for whatever length of time. When's the last time you reached out to an old friend of yours that doesn't know Christ? Now I'm not telling you spend every waking moment with him. When's the last time you reached out to someone that's not as holy as you are? Jesus did. Who could you reach out to? Who this week could you give an invite for Easter Try and get them to come to church. Intentionally focus on sinners. You know it was Jesus that said this to for his followers in his prayer in John seventeen verse fifteen. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. You see that verse there. You have to live in this world. You're going to rub shoulders with sinners. You can't help it. It's going to be at work. It's going to be wherever. And I'll tell you, doing church work and being here and dealing with parents in the Christian school and different things, I deal with sinners all the time. And they deal with a sinner right here. You can't guard every little thing. The Pharisees were keeping themselves, but Jesus said, These people need Christ. What are you doing to reach the lost today? When Oliver Cromwell ruled England, the nation experienced a crisis when they ran out of silver and they could not mint any coins. So Cromwell told his soldiers to the cathedral to see if any silver was available. They reported back that the only silver was in the Statue of the Saints. This is what, which, what Cromwell say, said, melt down the saints and get them back into circulation." hey, follower of Christ, let's ask Jesus to melt us down so we can get back into circulation. If you're saved, it's time to shine and get others to Christ. I'm so glad to see, and I love reading through the Gospels here because you've got where these friends bring their friend to Jesus and he gets his life changed, he gets saved. Then we see this wicked tax collector, an outcast in society, And Jesus sees him. Jesus sees what potential he has. And Jesus, hey, follow me. And he followed the Lord. Then all of his unsaved friends, hey, hey Jesus, you want to come to my house? Sure. I'm going to invite some friends over. Okay. Who are these friends? Not the ones you would want in your house. These are the ones you would lock away all the silver and all those things if they came into your house. But I'm glad I have a Savior who ate with the publicans and sinners, that was willing to get himself around their mess to save them. Aren't you glad he came down to pull us up? I am. So let's reach out and let's get people to Jesus.